Welcome to The Hormone Suite, where we talk about all things hormonal and how our hormones can positively or negatively govern our lives. We examine the intersection between our external and internal environments and empower you to become hormonally literate. This podcast was created to demystify and destigmatize hormones so that you can become part of a new generation of people who are the masters of their own health. I'm Talia Minot. And I'm Gemma Martin. And we're very excited for you to join us on this journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast sponsored by the Hormone Suite Clinic, your one-stop shop for hormonal health. I'm Talia Minor, and I'm here today with our co-founder, Gemma Martin. Hey, Gem. Hey, Talia. How are you today? I'm good. I'm feeling actually, as you can probably hear, like a little bit sinusy at the moment, but I still feel pretty good other than a bit of congested phlegm. <laughs> and you? Yeah, you still sound delightful. <laughs> It's been such a full-on year for infections, I think, for adults and children alike. But I'm feeling pretty good. My kids got sick last week and I managed to sidestep it, so I'm feeling quite smug. (laughs) Yeah, you're amazing. So today we're going to chat about the postpartum changes in the body physically and a little bit emotionally as well. I was thinking about this this morning on my run because I was, you know, having a body awareness moment as I was doing my little jog. And I was thinking about how prior to having kids, I never had a belly paunch. And now I do. It's like a little pocket of fat that's just stayed there. It doesn't matter. My weight fluctuates a fair amount, but this little pocket of fat just stays there. And it made me think, okay, so what else has changed? You know, like that's just a little cosmetic thing. It's not that big of a deal. I'm sure that it's a big deal for some people, but for me, it's just sort of like, this is a, it's one of my badges of of becoming a mom is that there's some significant changes in my body and that's okay. But there are so many other little things that happen. And I think we don't really know about them until you have a baby. And then sometimes you have a baby and you've got all these things that have happened in your body, changes that have happened. But if you're not connected with other women or if you don't take that time to have a chat with other women about it, you might think, oh, it's just me that's got this prolapse or it's just me that can't see properly anymore or whatever it is. So we thought we'd have a little chat about some of the changes that can happen postpartum and things that we can do maybe to help some of those things. And some of them that are just, we just got to embrace them it's surrender Mm, I love your you know a little badge of honor and I think that's how I really see a lot of these things there's been changes and that's okay because I've totally changed as well and my whole life has changed also so not trying to go back this whole body image you know postpartum getting the body back I'm like why would we want to go backwards we want to go forwards and actually embrace where we're at at this point totally and I think that's a journey too you know I remember being in the bath when I was probably in the first six month postpartum with my first child and you know I was probably looking at my body and I was thinking about my friends and I was thinking about socializing with my friends and I was sort of my brain was like oh how how long is it going to take me to get back there and be doing those things and it's like never I'm never going back there to do those things I'm a different person I have different priorities I don't need my previous five years ago life I need my life now but that took a little while for me to embrace emotionally and it's interesting because a lot of these things like you said aren't talked about it's like little taboo topics which I remember also in my postpartum feeling a little bit shocked by a few things and thinking why is this not talked about? I would have loved to have known this prior to. And one of those things, which is 
definitely too much information, but that's the template of our podcast, I think, is one of the first days, I think it was like the first few days postpartum, having a shower and just washing with water. We don't need to be using soaps and stuff on our vulva, vagina. Washing it and being like, oh my gosh, it physically feels swollen and so different and it kind of freaked me out a little bit I was like oh I don't even know if I want to touch it (laughs) well I've just been through a massive experience and and of course like it is swollen that's I think that's a natural thing how long do you think that it took the swelling to go down and for it to start to feel normal again did it go back to feeling normal it definitely felt very different so for me I had uh, with both my births I had second degree tears So in terms of feeling normal, it definitely took a little bit more time because I was healing the tears. And for that, I used postpartum pads and was put on them Manuka honey, aloe vera, witch hazel, and some diluted calendula, which not all together, but like at different times with what I was feeling. And I found those things really healing and supportive. But in terms of like the swelling and in terms of like washing, probably only a few days and I didn't have any pain with my tears at all, but I definitely was aware that physically it felt different and physically things had changed down there. Has it gone back? I think it's gone back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I had tears as well with both my pregnancies or my labors. So I had a second degree tear in my first labor and a third degree in my second which meant I had to go into surgery and get stitched back together. So I suppose things are never the same when you've had to go through that surgery. They don't line up quite the same. And I have to say, I only really had a proper look recently, which is funny. You're so busy with children that sometimes you're like, hey, I haven't looked at my vagina in two years, but I had a look and I was like, oh yeah, I can see where the little scar is and how the tissue sort of doesn't completely match up. I think it feels different in terms of sex. I noticed that my orgasms have really changed since my second birth. And I don't know if something really changed physiologically for me there. I'd be super curious to investigate this with someone who's an expert in sexual function. The orgasms are just so different. They used to be quite powerful. And now they sort of like skip away from me. They're like, oh, I'm finished. It's all over now. Bye-bye. Gotta go. Gotta go. It's a bit strange. It's, It's definitely a different sensation. That's so interesting. So I don't think I've had a switch in my orgasms. However, I've definitely had a huge decline in my libido, like massively. I used to think of myself as quite a high libido person. And now I'm like, whoa, am I even on the scale? I'm probably falling off the scale. (laughs) Which is so normal too. Like I think when we're talking to postpartum groups around here locally and other women that we know and clients, quite often women are not feeling like having sex for quite a long time after they give birth. And that's okay. You think that you're waking up a lot at nighttime, you're exhausted, you're giving out so much of yourself during the day that the idea of giving out something more of yourself, if that's how you engage with sex, is really quite difficult. And it, and it's okay. It'll come back. It might not be the time. However, I, th- I also think that having a libido and being intimate with your partner is a really good reflection of your internal fire, of your vitality, of your health. Yeah, absolutely. I remember for me, it was quite a mental thing around sex after birth as well, because 
I was like, wow, I've just birthed a human out of here. And then I'm just about to put a penis back in there. And for me, it was a really bizarre mental thing. And I know that might sound a little bit weird, but for many, many years, it had just been, I guess, a pleasure station. And then it had become something totally different that had just birthed new life. Yeah. And that's pretty phenomenal, isn't it? You know, to think that a whole human came out of that birth canal. It's pretty wild. Yeah. So the vulva can change after birth. So some women do say one of their labias may feel a little bit different. And I think some of this is probably due to just maybe not knowing beforehand and maybe being more aware of what's actually going on, but things Mm. can change. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of muscle changes and everything that occur during pregnancy and of course birth to cause, you know, mild differences. I had a little minor surgery actually after my first birth because after I had my first child, there was this little tag of tissue hanging down from my vagina. And I was like, that never used to be there. What's that business going on? So I went to my local clinic and they said, oh, it's part of the skin that holds your hymen together has torn off as the babies come through the birth canal and now it's hanging out. And so they just, they say they lopped it off, which is their (laughs) their nice way of talking about it. It was super painless. It was totally pain-free and it was fine. And I I probably didn't need to do it. I think I was a bit self-conscious about it. And maybe I just felt like, oh, things aren't the same as they they used to be. And it could have been another badge of honor that I embraced postpartum, but I I chose to get it removed and it was Mm. easy. While we're in the vagina area, I had with my first, just a mild prolapse. And I remember going to my checkup, which I think was around six weeks. And I was like, there's something going on. And I wasn't sure what was going on because, you know, it was all very new to me, but it felt heavier in my vagina. And she did a few tests, which are internal tests. And she's like, oh yeah, you've got like a mild prolapse. So for me, I did yoni steaming I got a yoni egg and really focused on all the muscles in that area I definitely recommend to go and see a pelvic floor physio if you can find one or an osteo with my second pregnancy I actually went to an osteo and she did a little bit of a test and she would refer me if she felt like I needed something but the second time round, it was all good but yeah it's not uncommon and it's fixable it's really common I know plenty of women with quite significant prolapses and they're women who are younger than me and seemingly fitter than me so it it can happen that that tissue or the ligaments that are holding the tissue together just become really relaxed and stretched and then you can get a uterine or a vaginal prolapse and it can be quite uncomfortable and you know I, I like you I really recommend that you go and get it checked out have a pelvic physio look at it have a look at doing a yoni egg or a or a pessary yeah you can do some the steaming's great there's herbs that I use as well that help to tonify the tissues and just to support that area because you can also then get infections and things if everything's sort of hanging down and and it's not in the normal structural alignment that it would normally be. Absolutely. And I think if something like that is left too, it can definitely is harder to rectify. And then surgery is usually what is recommended and we want to try and avoid that. Yeah. You want to keep all your body parts and Mm. every time you have to go on the anesthetic is a little bit of a risk. So it's a hard thing on your body. So we try and avoid that and do the healing without surgery if we can. Mm. Mm. So back to postpartum body in terms of just the physical changes. So I also now have a little bit of a pouch, which I absolutely love, but I think it's really important to 
state here that we should never compare our postpartum bodies to someone else. And I feel like in this society and with social media and everything that we have now, we often do. Because if I look around at all the people around me who have been through birth, their postpartum bodies have changed, but also vastly different. Some look completely different in terms of they've actually gone thinner some look completely different in terms of like they've gone wider some have extra here some have less there everything is completely different and like we said moving forward you've changed things have changed it's ne- it's never going to be the same it's not and i think if you're just looking at social media most of the pictures on social media are going to be of those super fit super hot moms who have got matching bikinis with their little three-year-old dancing around and like i love that too that's beautiful but there's less photos of the stretch marks i grew a new wart underneath my breast when i was pregnant the sore feet less of the glamorous stuff is being advertised and if you're just looking at the the supermodels of postpartum then you're going to feel inadequate which that's not reality there's so many variations and i think learning to embrace what we have is probably our biggest challenge really and and it's probably where our biggest mode of healing comes from too absolutely we're our worst critics hey if you actually jump onto our instagram which is at the dot hormone dot suite we actually have a highlight reel which has some postpartum bodies in it some normal humanly postpartum bodies in there so it's a really great little reel to show you what postpartum can look like yeah and i mean outside of the paunch and the vagina (laughs) i had a few other i had quite a few postpartum things that came up that i didn't know would happen so i had rectus diastasis so the separation of the abdominal muscles which did come back fairly easily on their own and did someone tell you you had that because I I feel like this is something that's often missed as well unless you're going to an osteo or someone to check whether you've got it and do you want to explain what it is too and if you did specific things because I know there's specific exercises Mm. or support for that yeah well my midwife diagnosed it and you could easily feel it so when with your abdominal muscles there's two lines of abdominals going from top to bottom of your abdomen and in between there is a sheath of fascia and that holds those two lines of of muscle together and as your belly grows with your pregnancy of course that all has to move apart because we've got to leave space for the baby there but sometimes it really sort of shifts apart and it can have a hard time fusing back together so when you put your fingers at the top of your abdomen just below your ribs you can feel like this space in between your abs, which wouldn't normally be there. And I did really simple things. Like I got given a a stocking to wear around my abdomen that would help to hold it all back in. And they just told me things not to do, like not to use your abs to get up out of bed, roll over onto your side and get up that way. Try and feed lying down. I think they said there might've been a few other things. I can't remember now. It was quite a while ago. Yeah. Perfect. And while you're talking on the stocking thing, I think that's a really beautiful addition to anyone's post postpartum little package that they have is actually getting one of those I found that really supportive over my stomach and uterus lower area just in those that first week just to feel like when everything was going 
back where it needed to be just to feel that compress. Belly binding is a thing that is done uh, in many cultures and is starting to be brought back into the Western culture and they actually use like beautifully soaked, which sounds delicious, warm pieces of material in hot oils or warm oils, probably not hot. And they will bind that around the belly with beautiful herbs and stuff as well. So that can be really lovely if you can get someone to do that for you. Amazing. If not, I just used, it almost looked like a boob tube and just wrapped that around that area. I also had cracked heels really badly postpartum, which can be a nutrient insufficiency sign. I actually managed to heal it up really quickly with some of that Walita foot cream, which is just delightful. It worked really fast for me. I had my arches dropped. So there's a lot of that because you've had so much relaxant in your body, so many of those hormones that make all your ligaments relax. If you have a tendency like me to already be a little bit loose in your ligaments and have a little bit less structural integrity, a little bit less strength, then things can become flaccid, I suppose. And so for me, it was my feet. When I had a baby, the second baby had colic. Well, they both had colic. Second baby was colicky. And I was walking up and down the street in the hot summer night with this crying baby in my thongs because it was just so hot. And my arches really flattened. And then I got plantar fasciitis. And so I had this intense pain in my feet. And I still only wear arch support shoes now, even though it's a lot better. So that was a thing that I didn't really realize would happen. You know, your feet growing, your shoe size changing when you're pregnant. For me, I gained a fair amount of weight and I, I do have that natural tendency towards relaxation in my ligaments. And so I went from a size eight to a size nine in my feet just because they spread right out. Yeah, I've heard about this a lot. Thank God mine didn't because I'm already a size 10. I was like, where do we go from there? <laughs> so something interesting that I didn't expect in my postpartum with my first, which has carried on, is I actually started getting eczema and it's common for your digestive system to weaken during this time. And that is obviously what happened for me. My digestive system has always been, I guess, a weakness for me. And I've worked on that a lot throughout the years. And I did in both my postpartums, I had to just be really careful of what I was eating to not aggravate. So I had to really do a lot of the foods that are recommended in your postpartum. And dairy for me was definitely a trigger for the eczema and also any type of sugar. I don't do a heap of sugar, but even if I was having a little bit of chocolate or a bit too much chocolate here and there, my eczema would flare up. I also have had a fair amount of lower back pain post my second child that I've had a lot of help with some great osteopathic treatment, but it's like this ongoing weakness. If I'm not really paying attention, if I'm not doing my stretching, if I'm not doing a little bit of strengthening work with my quads and with my gluteals, then I'll start getting this lower back ache. That was weak for me before I had kids too, but it was like, again, just all of the hormones and then sitting so much. I've never sat so much, I don't think, without really around you know but when you're breastfeeding for hours or you might be pumping you just sit so much more than what you normally would and I really feel like that's had a big impact on my on my back yeah interesting it's definitely a time like if there's a vulnerability in you particularly if it's something like autoimmune or gut it will flare during this time so Mm. definitely be seeking support from your health practitioners or from us so we can support you during that time That's something that definitely did flare a little bit for me, more so with my second postpartum, not so much with my first, is that I used to get quite bad acne. I wouldn't say I've got acne again, but I'm definitely getting 
flares of breakouts that I hadn't been getting for many years. And I put that down to some gut and also a lot of hormonal stuff with breastfeeding and cycle coming back and all of that. But that's been really interesting to manage more from like a mental standpoint in this second postpartum. Yeah. I just want to say there too, because even though I'm saying postpartum and I'm two years in, postpartum can range from six months to five years. So let's just really cut out this whole six-week postpartum thing. It really shits me. (laughs) Yeah, it's just not reality. I was talking to a friend the other day and and we were talking about postpartum brain because sometimes I'm like, seriously, this – this guy is not what he used to be. My brain's a guy. His name's Brian. Um, <laughs> Hi, Brian. <laughs> and uh, she was saying, oh, apparently it's seven years before your brain comes back. And because your brain goes through this whole, they call it arborization or pruning that happens when you have a child, you cut out all of these neural connections that you are no longer needed. Like you don't remem- need to remember your friend's phone number from when you were five or all of the different ways to get to a certain place in the city. What you need is a PhD on that infant. And so your brain just completely changes. And it's amazing watching your change in memory and mental function after you have a baby. It is not the same. And I wonder if it ever goes back. Mm, So do I. I mean, we're both in that still in that five to seven years, but I definitely have noticed that quite significantly. And I think even more so since two, I'm like, does it get worse? I have a hilarious story with that, which I just have to share. So I was driving with the boys, both asleep in the car, and I had to pick something up from my sister's house. And I was probably two kilometers from her house. And I called her and I said, oh, the boys are asleep. So could you just come out the front and we'll do a quick drop by so that the boys don't wake up? And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I drove home. (laughs) In that two kilometers, I forgot that I was picking something up from her house. And poor thing is waiting outside for me. And I get this text message when I was home already being like, where are you? And I'm like, oh yeah, forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, the brain thing is a big one. And I think it's, again, rather than being annoyed with it or going against it remember that your body is doing what it's supposed to do and your brain is doing what it's supposed to do and it can remember so much information about those children and what illness they've got and how their temperature was or how much snot they had and you know all of the things that you need in order to keep them alive and well so you're doing exactly what you're supposed to it's just it's different for sure absolutely and on an emotional level I think so much can change here in terms of your relationships. I actually say that your relationships with everyone will change, specifically your partner, but even with family and friends because you have changed here. I just want to put a bit of a disclaimer here, though. You know, even though we talk about emotions changing, if you're experiencing something like postnatal depletion, depression or postpartum rage, that they are definitely little red flags to say, hey, maybe you're going to need some more support with specific areas. And that's something we can definitely support you with. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think having a great psychologist or someone you can talk to on hand is amazing. Like even if you can get that before you have a baby, I think is really good. I've got a psychologist and we talk about the postpartum rage or the mum rage. And she goes, you know, that's a real thing though. That's just really normal to have rage it's it's part of being a mom it's very very common but 
obviously there's a cap to that and it depends on how it's impacting your life and your family life and there's definitely areas I think postnatal depression is definitely something that needs support you know it needs nutritional support there's great herbal medicine to support that as well you don't have to go through that on your own without any help because it's 100% fixable yeah absolutely and on the psychologist thing I heard someone saying the other day which was like that's so great she was saying about a psychologist you go and get your car serviced every six months going to a psychologist is like going for a service to check what's going on and to support you where you might need and I was like I love that that's so great yeah it's awesome I love my psychologist shout out (laughs) (laughs) and I think the other big thing that we haven't touched on that's really common is postpartum thyroiditis because Mm. quite often when you're pregnant your autoimmune part of your immunity your autoimmunity can be suppressed so if you have autoimmune thyroiditis or psoriasis or ulcerative colitis other autoimmune diseases they can actually be suppressed because obviously your body's not wanting to be attacking self because you've got a new self growing inside of there but then in the postpartum period you can have this rebound which is probably what's happened with your eczema as well but it often we get postpartum thyroiditis flare up Thyroid disease is is going to be causing you a lot of fatigue or you can get really, really restless and anxious if you've got a hyperthyroid response. So those things also are really not difficult to balance, but they do need support. Mm. I think another support tool that I found really supportive with both both my postpartums is acupuncture. Acupuncture is phenomenal. I just love it so much. I wish I had one living next door. It would just, I'd be there all the time. I did a lot of acupuncture in my preconception and in my birthing prep and less postpartum, but I I absolutely think it's so balancing. It's so nourishing. It's just fabulous. Yeah. And another thing I actually did with not so much with my first, but with my second was actually some Ayurvedic massage. And it's not about muscles it's more about the mind and the nervous system so it's a really beautiful massage that basically just feels like someone almost just tickling you the whole time and it just helps to really balance the nervous system which with two children I found really beneficial and supportive and even I probably should have done it with one I just don't think I knew about it at the time So there's heaps of things that will change in the postpartum. And if you've got anything that you would like us to chat about, like there's, you know, oral health changes, people's teeth can start to decay. They can have gum changes. There's all sorts of things that can happen. Give us a shout. We'd love to chat to you. We can do podcasts on these as well. And I think we forgot to do our hormonal hails and our hormonal fails at the beginning of this podcast. Did we? Did we? That's that's that postpartum (laughs) brain. (laughs) Well, let's do them now. Okay. Let's go. You go first. Okay. Well, my hormonal hail is really just starting to listen to myself a little bit more, listen to my body, listen to my emotions, listen to what I need. I have a tendency to be a little bit go, go, go. And I'm realizing now more than ever as I get older and, you know, I've got kids, it just does not serve me. And it also is sending a message to myself that I'm not important or that those that I don't trust myself, I don't actually believe the signals that are coming from my body. So just more recently, I've, I've just felt these really strong calls to go and dive in the ocean. And instead of cleaning my house or prepping something for dinner or doing some work that I should probably be doing, I've actually just honored that and gone to the beach and dived into the waves and just really felt that amazing healing power of the ocean. But more than that, just the healing power of listening to yourself and mm. honoring the wisdom that comes from within. 
Lovely. My and fail? Your fail, yeah. No fails, babe. I can't even think that I've got a fail this month. Right. I think, oh, my fail. Yeah, I've got a fail. Okay. I went, oh, <laughs> yep, you failed. <laughs> On the same day that I went and dove into the ocean and honoured myself, I also went shopping at the mall, which never happens because I hate shopping. But I bought myself a stovetop coffee maker and I'm a bit like, (laughs) oh, I don't know that this is the best thing for me uh, and my hormones. I haven't bought coffee yet because I'm too scared to have it in the house. But that's my hormonal fail. Too funny. So my hormonal hail is actually boundaries for me and particularly in my bleed. So my last bleed, I said to quite a few people and mainly to do around work, but I actually said, no, I'm actually bleeding at the moment in those first few days. And I was like, I'm just going to take some time and I'll get back to you. I'm usually the person that like gets an email or gets a message and has to write back straight away. And I was like, no, no, no one's going to die. It's okay. I can get back to you in 24 or 48 hours and just rest a little bit and not overwhelm myself in these first few days. Good on you. Yeah, it did feel really good. And my fail is, was in my luteal phase. It's a failing phase sometimes, isn't it? And You know, it's the phase where all the things that need doing around our house, really, they're glowing to me. You know, we live in an old farmhouse. There's a lot that needs needs to be done. But this uh, luteal phase, I just really felt like I needed to tell my partner all the things that need doing, which he knows. And afterwards, I did feel a bit bad because I definitely probably didn't address it very nicely. <laughs> you didn't you didn't couch it in a lot of niceties? <laughs> probably not. No. <laughs> so while we're going to end here, do you want to share with us a funny thing that your kid has said recently? Yeah. So mine's a little bit sad <laughs> for me. But the other day, my daughter, my oldest daughter, and she didn't really need to communicate this to me. I already knew. She said to me, Mommy, I love Daddy more than I love you. And I was like, okay, darling, that's okay. I still love you to the moon and back. And she goes, yeah, I know, but I love Daddy more. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Just drill it in a little bit more. <laughs> well, my funny one actually comes from my two-year-old this time. So like I've said in previous episodes, he's not speaking too much. You know, there's just a few words in his vocabulary. But the other day when I took his nappy off, he just looked down at his penis and he goes, oh, big. <laughs> and I had to have a little giggle. And I'm like, what do I say to that? Like, what do I respond? Yes, no, I'm not sure. <laughs> but I went, oh, big. Yeah. So I'm not sure if he's going to start telling everyone that. That could be really hilarious. <laughs> That's so cute. Okay, everybody, I hope that was helpful for you and that you've learned a little bit about how your body can change in the postpartum or if you're in your postpartum, it's given you a little bit of insight into some of the things that can happen and that might happen or that are happening and that they're normal. They're happening to us as well. And if you need any help, don't forget to book in at the Hormone Suite. And I'm going to give a little shout out also to the book that I have co-authored with a friend of mine, Caitlin Priday, which is no those who nurture and we do talk a little bit in there about very similar things that we've talked about today so body image libido and vaginal changes and all the things that might occur in that postpartum phase oh yeah sorry i forgot that talia's just written a book on (laughs) the 
<laughs> postpartum period. She just totally had a, fine, her book launch recently and we're super, 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 super proud of you. It's such an amazing service that you are providing to women and to the world. And if you haven't already gotten a copy, it's Nourishing Those Who Nurture. Thanks, love. <laughs> Have a beautiful day, everyone. Bye. Bye. Okay, sexy hormoners, that's it for us this week. Please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. And if you need more help with your hormones, we're always here for you at The Hormone Suite Clinic. You can find us at thehormonesuite.com or on Insta at The Hormone Suite. Bye. Bye.